Previously on The Truth About Small Town Horror. Oh, I thought you knew. Ryan didn't shoot Sarah. I'm confused. Did did you shoot Sarah? No. No, no one shot Sarah. But the gunshot? Whose body did Ryan leave in the woods? Ryan didn't shoot Sarah. He shot Joe. He shot my husband. Call it a bombshell or a cliffhanger or whatever else you'd like, but it is far from what I expected to hear. As I sat there in that diner, speaking with Julie, maybe the one person on the planet who knew Ryan the best, I couldn't help but realise that, for all my efforts to understand what had happened, I wasn't even close to the mark. And that maybe, I would never understand at all. Joe, your husband, the man who Ryan kidnapped. I told you we should have started back further. We should start back further. Uh, okay. Uh, How about when you and Ryan split up following his finding your husband? I assume you've listened to the episodes. Yeah, of course I have. And? Joe's a liar. He always was. He revealed that you were his wife. And? Ryan already knew I was married. Uh, But... But he he never mentioned that information on the podcast. Yeah, I know. But I guess if you're Ryan, that's kind of a weird bit of information to casually drop in there. Like, if I didn't talk about being married, what was he supposed to say? Oh, by the way, Julie's married? Plus, as weird as it sounds, he didn't think people should know. Why? Because it would turn people against me. Like I was seeing someone behind Joe's back. Which I was, technically. But Ryan thought people wouldn't support us if they knew that. Regardless of what Joe did to me. What about the story he told Ryan about you being... When I tried to stop her, she threw herself down the stairs. I I called an ambulance and the police took my statement. She said I beat her. And other things. No charges were filed because she was lying. Her story kept changing. Her injuries showed I didn't do any of it. I left her. I got a restraining order. But still, she found me. She'd drive by my house late at night and I'd get scared of what she might do. I'd heard this story before. I heard it from Julie. But her words... uh, They weren't quite the same. Have you ever heard my whole story? No. Why don't you ever ask? I don't want you to have to talk about it if you don't want to. But do you know my story? Sort of. I mean, people talk around the coffee pot. After I got out of the hospital, I spent like a month following him around. At first, I would just Facebook stalk him. He actually kept me as a friend. How f***ed up is that? Just but stuff like that. Like maybe we really were friends and I did something wrong. 
I'd go by his house late at night to see if the lights were on, to see if he was at home. I'd tell myself that it made me feel better to know he was home instead of out, but the truth was I couldn't let go of him even after what happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry about any of it. About me being crazy? Didn't it seem at least a little bit weird that his version of, of what he did to me, that it almost perfectly mirrored the way I said it? It sounded like two sides of the same incident. Plus, you made him sound like a friend or acquaintance, not your husband. You can understand if there was some doubt as to the validity of your story. Because that's what happens to victims, doesn't it? You say what happened, then they say it didn't, and people are just waiting to tell you what you did wrong. Blame you for being assaulted. People hear what they want to hear. Fuck everyone who's like that. Besides, that's what Joe does. He sells people on things. He did tell Ryan he was a salesman. Yeah, he was. For a little while, at least. Among other things. He was never very good at keeping a job. Joe was the smartest person I ever knew. We met, like he said, and I fell for him. He was so confident and sure of himself. He never seemed confused or agitated, like he had it all figured out. It wasn't until after we got married that it started. The manipulation, the control, telling me who I could see and who I couldn't. What I was supposed to say and how I was supposed to act. It wasn't mean, at least not at first. More passive-aggressive, like, you aren't going to wear that, are you? He planted these seeds of doubt all the time. To the point when I practically just asked him what I should do for everything. And then the abuse started and, well, you know as much of the story as I feel like saying. Julie, why did Ryan shoot Joe? What was he even doing there in that tunnel? Because he was the whispering man. He was there to kill us. Ryan had him once. He wasn't going to let it happen again. How do you know that? It's complicated. I don't doubt it. But how do you know? How did Ryan know? He let him go. I didn't know at first. Not even when Ryan shot him. Ryan didn't say anything about it. It didn't make sense until later when I started doing some more therapy, trying to talk through everything. I mean, how fucked up can one person's life get? What did you find out? I didn't think of it at first because it was about a date. And I don't really think about stuff like that much. Like, I think about things that happened, but not exactly when. I was talking to my therapist who was looking at my history. He mentioned the date of when Joe... When my marriage officially ended, at least short of the paperwork. It was April 25th, 2016. 
the date after Ryan officially arrived back in Creighton. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't see the connection. When Joe finally went too far, it was the same day that Ryan posted audio of him returning to Creighton. And? You have to understand, that's how Joe works. He set all this up. This was all what he wanted to happen. I mean, most of it. He uses people. He manipulates people. He pushed me away so I'd find Ryan. He pushed Ryan so he'd find me. I, I don't mean to offend you, but I'm sorry this isn't making any sense. I've had a lot of time to think about this. To talk about it. To talk through it. I think a lot about the things in my life that I've done ever since meeting Joe. Especially when he started to show what kind of an asshole he really was. In the few months before Ryan came back, Joe started doing things. We went to Bemidji at least once a week. He never left me alone for very long. He had to know where I was. He said he was going there for some contract job he was working on. He never said exactly what he was working on. By then I knew not to ask too many questions. I understand. I didn't realize it at the time, but he would always drive by the same church. Even to the point that it seemed out of the way of where we were going. I never thought about it. It didn't mean anything to me, and it shouldn't have. I can still see this sign outside the church. Need help? Look up. Then come inside. <laughs> it sounds so dumb, but it stuck with me. I think he was going there because it was a part of his plan. He was finding a place for Ryan to end up. After what he did to him in Ashbury. And... You started going to that church because... Because it was away from Joe. And because some part of me felt like I knew it. Possibly, but still, it sounds like you're trying to force a connection to it all. Maybe I found a connection because there was a connection. Why would Joe want you and Ryan to meet? I don't know. Why do you think he did, if you had to guess? I think he wanted to kill me. I think he hated himself for even having an attachment to me. Like I was a weakness. And for losing our child. For being responsible for something he couldn't control. And I know he wanted to kill Ryan, but he wanted him to suffer for some reason. Maybe it was a game to him. To get us together so he could kill us both. Think about it. I was Ryan's connection to that place when he got back. He stayed because I was someone who made him feel safe. Joe manipulated me, and I manipulated Ryan. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. How could one person do all that? Why go through all that kind of trouble? Joe could. He could do anything that he set his mind to. That's how he thought. 
like life was some game he could control. He liked that sort of thing. He got bored with life. He could barely hold a job most of the time because he had so much contempt for most people. He wanted control. He got off on getting people to do exactly what he wanted without anyone realizing he was involved. But you have to admit, there was an insane amount of luck in it all. Ryan's father dying and his getting the tapes at the low point in his life, driving him back home. His hearing the recording, Tim breaking the sounds down, finding Mrs. Alderman, finally going back to Ashbury. All of it, that doesn't seem possible. Because you don't think like Joe. All you see is what happened. If his plan hadn't worked, it wouldn't matter because no one would know he even existed until he already had Ryan. What if Ryan had just left Creighton right away and never bothered to go look for Ashbury? Joe would have found another way to get him there. Ryan's dad dying, the tapes showing up. It was also Joe could see how far Ryan could be pushed and how easily. But Joe wouldn't have let this go. He hated Ryan. But why, Julie? Why would Joe have any reason to hate Ryan at all? I don't know. Of all the things I don't understand, (laughs) and that's saying something, it's that part I can't figure out. But it feels like I should know, like I've missed something. As far as I know, they never could have even met before. But that was him the entire time. Are you sure of it? As sure as I can be. You can even hear it. When? When Ryan and I tried to leave the first time. After he got out of jail, finding Ryan's recorder in the motel room. This thing does that to me, I guess. Are you going to post this before you leave? No. I don't need this anymore. You're just going to leave it here? My gift to the next person unlucky enough to get stuck in this room. Morbid. Not anymore. Come on. It's a beautiful day. Definitely sounded like the voice Joe used in the later recordings. 
No, not his voice. You can hear his truck pull up. He was working as a long-haul truck driver the last I heard. But he never talked about it much. I'm not even sure for who. But it gave him flexibility, enough to keep following us around the country. Joe was a truck driver? He worked for a few different companies over the years. Julie, do you have a picture of Joe I could see? Um, yeah. I think I have one on my phone. Hold on. Here. That's Joe. Do you know him? I can't say I've ever seen him before, but would it be possible for you to send me that picture? I guess. Why? I'm not sure yet, but I think I might know how Joe knows Ryan. Would you like to hear it? Honestly, if it's all the same, I think I'd rather just get this over with. Fair enough. I guess I'm still not understanding how much of this did Ryan know in advance. When did Ryan realize Joe was the Whispering Man? I don't know, but he didn't look surprised to see Joe in the tunnel. And he didn't look like he had any issue with shooting him. Joe had a gun and other things with him. Could Ryan have known Joe really was the Whispering Man before he let him go? If he did, why would he? When else would he have figured it out? I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to make sense of all this. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe Ryan never believed him. (sighs) What else did you want to know? Of things I would actually know. Do you know where Sarah is now? No. I didn't see her after I left. What happened after Ryan shot Joe? When I finally stopped screaming, I just sort of stared at what was... what was left of him. Nothing made sense. Even trying to think about it now doesn't make sense. I remember looking back at Ryan. I don't know when he took the gun out of my hand, but he did. He was talking to Sarah. No, yelling at her. He was mad at her? Why? I don't know. He said something about her going to ruin everything. That she had to leave. And then? She left. She looked like she was going to cry, but she left. I didn't see her again after that. What happened next? Ryan left the gun next to Joe's body and told me we had to leave the cave. It was the first time I actually remember seeing him turning off the voice recorder he always had running. I didn't resist. I think I was in shock. We just crawled out of the tunnels and made our way back to the surface. After that, he said he was sorry and that I needed to go home. And where did Ryan go? Back into the mine. Why? I didn't find out until later. He went and dragged Joe's body out into the woods. Why do you think he would do that? I don't know. I guess it had to do with those last words he said on his podcast. Do you see why I didn't tell you everything up front, St. Clair? Remember that bit a while back about a head start? Well, this is episode 10. 
there won't be an episode 11. I'm tired of doing your work for you. There's a body in the woods. Go find it. Then you'll know everything. He wanted people to go into the mine to find those cages. He wanted people to find the connection between Joe and whatever was going on. But I don't think anyone's figured it out. I think I may understand. More than most, at least. Why bother dragging Joe into the woods? I think he was trying to buy time. He didn't want people to realize he killed Joe right away. I don't know if it made any difference or it gave him time to get away. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Didn't you go to the police after leaving Ashbury? Eventually. They probably heard the story around the same time you did, but before anyone heard the podcast. I guess I didn't think about it, but... Maybe he was doing it to protect me. How so? I had to go to the police. He didn't ask me not to. Maybe him taking the body into the woods bought him enough time before anyone realized there really was a dead body. The police didn't find it until a week later. Maybe he was still trying to protect me until the end. Or maybe not. And this was only ever about him. Julie, do you know where Ryan is? No. Would you tell me if you did? No. Why not? So this could be over. So he could get away from all this and stop lying and just live what he has left of his life. Lying? About what? I mean, not lying. Just being himself. Most of what you heard, that wasn't what happened. Not exactly. I'm sorry, I don't understand. It was a podcast. Ryan recorded his entire life, but every week or two you only heard, what, 20 minutes? What do you think your life would sound like if someone only heard like a tenth of one percent of it? What would people hear? What could you make people hear? It's like social media, getting these little snapshots that people want you to see of their lives. That's what Ryan did. How much of this was made up? I mean, it wasn't made up. It was just edited. He cut up the parts that made sense to him. Then he added a voiceover. (laughs) How fucked up is it to add a voiceover to your own life? That's why I hated him always recording. I knew he had to, but it made him a different person. He never let people see the times he was being sweet or funny or anything other than what they saw. He made them see Eeyore, but he could be Tigger too. He got caught up in showing people a person he thought they expected. Like if he showed he was human that they wouldn't believe him or listen. He had to be broken. Whatever his need was for attention messed him up so much worse. I don't think I fully understand how much of what we heard was real. Well, all of it was real. But if I say something like... If I say something like, 
I'm depressed. The store was out of my favorite lipstick. You get a way different idea than if I just say, I'm depressed. Which leads me back to my conversation with Detective St. Clair from our first episode. You don't seriously still believe what he said on those recordings was all true, do you? Why wouldn't I? Do you really need me to list the reasons again? No, I don't. Is there something else you haven't previously said on the podcast? Why would you think that? Could it be because we have video proof of Ryan lying about his whereabouts? What proof? His whereabouts when? When he came back into the room, he carried with him a laptop computer. The image on the screen appeared to be a time-stamped video. The date, as the detective reminded me, was just three days after Ryan claimed to have been kidnapped following the events in Ashbury. A time when Ryan has stated that he was being held prisoner. Watch. And watch I did as Ryan Jennings, with clear definition in the image, walked into a convenience store, wandered the aisles for a few minutes picking out food items, went to the counter, paid in cash, and left the store. We have more of these from two other stores in the area, all within the time Ryan claims to have been kidnapped and before being admitted to the nuthouse. Do you have an explanation for any of this? Besides Ryan being a liar? Supposedly one of the clerks claims to have remembered him because he kept saying some weird, nonsensical sentences, but still paid and left like normal. Do you think he could have been drugged at the time? Given the drug test results we later got, that's definitely possible. Do you think he could have been under the influence and still held captive in some way? Or the guy was a crazy stoner who hallucinated all this stuff, possibly kidnapped Sarah himself, and made up the rest to cover his tracks. If that's the case, then why do any of this? Why bother with the podcast? I sleep better trying not to think too much about Ryan Jennings' rationale. But frankly, it would be a pretty good way to build sympathy and slant the narrative in his direction. The rest? He made it up. Well, not all of it. Not Hank Jennings. No, not Hank Jennings. Admittedly, seeing Ryan on those images, arguably refuting his retelling of events, raised more than a little doubt in my mind about Ryan's quality of character. But still the questions remained as strong as ever. Even if it were all a lie, why go through all this? I decided not to tell any of this to Julie in fear that it might interrupt her own recollections. Without a statement from Ryan himself, I had no way of understanding what I'd seen anyway. Did he do that often? Edit the audio? Nothing that drastic, really. But there were moments. Like in the car. We were together 24 hours a day for weeks. But you hear, what, like 10 minutes of all that at most? He showed you the parts that fit the story he was trying to tell, but left everything out. Like what? Like stuff that made him sound human. I kept telling him he'd just come across like some emo kid whining about high school, but he didn't care. He said that wasn't the point. What was the point? I think he did that so people would understand how he felt. 
It was about what happened to us and trying to find answers. But he didn't want people to see anything other than what he felt. And that makes me really fucking sad. He spent so long not being able to laugh. Then he wanted people to think he could never smile. Did you tell this to the police? Is that why Detective Sinclair thinks Ryan is a liar? No. I only answered questions they asked. I told them about me and Joe and what happened in the tunnels. Wait. He thinks Ryan lied about all this? At least some of it. Well, he did. But if you want to know why, you're going to have to ask him. And I hope you never get to. We spoke for a few more minutes after that, but nothing came of our conversation, just the same questions circling themselves until Julie decided to end our meeting. I sat there and watched her leave the diner and drive away. I knew I would most likely never see her again. Part of me is grateful for that. I hope she's able to find some sort of peace following all that's happened. Another part of me, however, the more salacious side of me, wishes she knew more, wishes she knew where Ryan was. However, if nothing else, Julie did provide a major piece of the puzzle. I just needed verification. I had no time for cloak and dagger facades. I waited at the glory till I saw my contact and wasted no time in getting the answers I sought. Hey, fuck are you doing here? I don't fucking want anyone seeing us talking. I just want you to look at this one picture and tell me who this is. Fuck. Fine. Give me that. You mean the guy? I ain't never seen a girl before. Then you recognize him? Yeah, that's the guy I was telling you about. The one Hank was buddy-buddy with. You're certain? Yeah, guy creeps me out just looking at a picture of him. How did you get this? I had an answer, or at least a connection. Joe knew Hank. Joe had been to Hank's cabin. Joe knew who Hank was. How much more did he know? Here is what I think. However Hank and Joe came to understand the nature of each other, Joe became Hank's accomplice. I also believe that the combination of voices in the original laughter recording confused the true meaning. It wasn't a singular purpose. It was two goals. Basing my theory on what was found at the cabin and the length of time some of the bodies had been there, I believe Hank was responsible for the abduction of children. Joe's ultimate motivation, however, was the manipulation of adults. No adult bodies were found, and the timeline seems to suggest that adult abductions didn't happen until the approximate time Joe and Hank met. Whatever it was that happened in the darkness, whatever Hank did and taught to Joe, spoke to Joe's most sinister desires. I think Joe abducted Alex and other adults to manipulate and control them. While Hank hid his evidence by literally burying it, Joe left them in plain sight, making them so afraid that they couldn't even speak of what happened to them by the nameless, faceless darkness. This is what I tell myself. This is what I see when I look at Hank and Joe as I've come to know them. More so, 
I think Joe's hatred of Ryan stemmed from Hank. Hank's obsession with Ryan, making children call out Ryan's name, asking for him to come back, recording it, possibly even playing it over the speakers in Ashbury for himself. Joe wanted to end that obsession, to show ultimate control. When Hank died, possibly as a direct result of Joe, the plan to torment and destroy Ryan really began. This is not a ghost story. This is a story of obsession. This is a story of insanity. This is a story of brutality. But still, this story is one of conjecture, and in the end, I'm no closer to concrete answers than where I began. I have dots, possible connections and motives so warped and vicious that I'd just as soon be wrong about my theories. In the end, no one may ever know the truth about small-town horror.